Hello, everybody, and welcome to the June 22nd, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, between us not having a show on Friday because I was doing a Q&A in honor of my new book, The Establishment is Dead, Long Live the Establishment, and the entire weekend happening, there's some news we need to catch up on. So this episode is even going to be a little longer than most, just in honor of that. Um, but you know what we're going to start with, almost certainly. If you've been on social media, you know what we're going to start with. Because, while this may seem minuscule, it is important. It's about a woman who really needed her McMuffin. Yes, we are talking about Stacey Talbert, a sheriff's deputy in the state of Georgia, who posted a video of her crying on social media. Now, why did she do this? Well, uh, I'll, let, I'll let her explain. Since, I don't know, probably about, I mean, I've been up for a very long time, but I haven't eaten in a while, so I was kind of hungry. And I'm still waiting, and I'm still waiting, and they asked me to pull up. So I pull up forward, and uh, a girl comes out with my coffee, and just the coffee, and she hands it to me, and I have my window down. And that's all she hands me is the coffee. So I told her, I said, don't bother with the food because right now I'm too nervous to take it. It doesn't matter how many hours I've been up. It doesn't matter what I've done for anyone. Right now I'm too nervous to take a meal from McDonald's because I can't see it being made. At other points in the video, she explains the reason why she felt so nervous was because since she's in law enforcement, she's worried the McDonald's employee in question was tampering with her food, causing it to take so long. Despite the fact that it actually is relatively quick to spit in someone's food. Like, just saying. And of course, if I say that, I sound paranoid and crazy, but when a police officer says that, she also apparently sounds very paranoid and very crazy. Now, fair is fair, and she has sent in an interview with Inside Edition, admitted the video was somewhat of a mistake, not, not a full mistake, just somewhat of a mistake, you know, and said that she does not want people to feel sympathy for her, which, I'll give her this, is actually more than I expected from this person. Uh... <laughs> No offense to her, but when this is your first impression of someone, you, you tend to not really think they're the kind of person to admit their mistakes. Instead, I kind of want to talk about the overall trend and why this story is actually another good reason for police reform. Seriously. You might remember I said this happened in Georgia, the same state in which Rashad Brooks was killed. Now, I want to address one other argument real quick before we get back to this story. This is an argument I've heard time and time again, that what did Rashad Brooks expect? I mean, he was driving drunk, which does not give you a death sentence in the state of Florida. He assaulted an officer, which does not give you a death sentence in the state of Florida. Um, he stole a taser, which you can buy in Walmart, and does not give you... There are phone apps that will turn your phone into a taser. That's not worthy of a death sentence in the state of Florida. That's worthy of a fine, like a year in jail. I actually looked this up. In a post, by the way. You can go read it. Um, and he... No, that's basically it. Uh, 
There were some other things he did that the officer had no way of knowing about, such as being a deadbeat dad, which, by the way, is not even illegal. Not illegal to be a deadbeat dad. Um, it is illegal to abuse your kids, which there are also reports he did, as well as engage in abuse against his wife. But again, the officer had no way of knowing that. Now, the main defense was, what did he expect doing all of this? Well, what, what did the officer expect shooting a black man about what? While the flames of after the death of George Floyd were still really, really well lit? Like, shouldn't we be applying the what-did-he-expect argument both ways? Or better yet, not at all, because punishments in a just society are not based on the most obvious response a person can think of. Um, but I would like to, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Back to uh, the officer who was very nervous that her food might have been tampered with. <laughs> the question is... Did she have a reason to be scared? And you know what? For all the mocking I can do of her, possibly anti-police sentiments have been raging in the U.S. recently. However, the question then becomes, what caused those sentiments? You see, anti-police sentiments don't just happen in a vacuum. They happen for a reason. You might remember after the shooting of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, a Justice Department report came out exonerating Officer Darren Wilson. Okay, now we can argue whether or not he deserved that, but that is what happened. A second report, however, acknowledged that there were several examples of institutional racism within the Ferguson Police Department, showing that the shooting of Michael Brown wasn't specifically the incident that caused all this anti-police sentiment. But the end result of years and years of police abusing their power. And you know what all that does is? It makes the police even more scared and more likely to shoot. And that in turn creates a positive feedback loop. One of the worst positive feedback loops ever. Where police abuse their power more, resulting in more protests, resulting in them abusing their power more and more and more. And the cycle just keeps continuing and continuing. So, what I see right now is not so much just some woman who we can make fun of, but I see the end result of us not doing anything about police reform in this country for decades upon decades. You know, when California instituted body cams on every police officer in that state, complaints dropped massively, as did uses of violence. In truth, while I do hate to disagree with some of the worst defenders of the current police system, they are right when they say the police are scared. The question is, why are they scared? And the answer is because people don't trust them. That should lead to another question, why don't people trust them? And the answer is because our current system of policing does not really allow for the average American to trust them. And I want to state right now, I am not going to tell you that every single person in a police uniform is bad. Okay? I'm not going to tell you that. In part because, well, that's just an argument that I don't feel like getting into. <laughs> There are good people in police uniforms, okay? There are good cops out there. 
The question, however, you see, you shouldn't be using that, however, as a dodge to avoid any attempt at police reform. We then should be asking, well, what separates those good cops from bad cops? And for that matter, what do we do to get more, pe more cops to behave like the good cops? And the answer is the current reforms proposed by various organizations and people, including a break of police unions, an end of qualified immunity, body cameras on every single police officer, and many, many other reforms that I do not have time to get into. Demilitarization, that's another big one. And why should we be attempting to reform the police? And the answer is because I don't want someone to have the possibility of being shot dead by a woman who is rationally concerned that her Egg McMuffin might have been tampered with by a McDonald's employee. I think that's very fair. Anyway, also over the weekend, more and more statues were coming down, and Michael Knowles was absolutely furious, I take it. I mean, he was the man who wanted to cancel Earth Day. Because one of its founders, a fellow named Ima Einhorn, killed his girlfriend. Mind you, he was a self-proclaimed co-founder. No one who actually found the holiday had any knowledge of him or anything to do with him. But still, and that is less than the 360,000 Americans that were killed by Jefferson Davis, Alexander Stevens, Robert E. Lee, and their Confederate army. Oh, no, wait, wait. The joke is that he then uh, said that we should be arresting the people who take down the statues. Because of course he did. Uh... <laughs> Why, why wouldn't he? Now, I should note, I've been one of the commentators saying that it is almost certain that they would go after non-Confederates at some point, like Christopher Columbus, which was a big surprise to some of these people, despite the fact they've been doing that for decades now. Yeah, a lot of people are a little slow on the uptake. Uh, and I said that I would rationally listen to their arguments and consider whether or not they should be taken down. Okay? Since then, not only has a Columbus statue gone down, but a statue of Ulysses S. Grant, the last president to own slaves, and the man who said that if he believed the Civil War was about slavery, he'd surrender and give his sword to Robert E. Lee, was taken down, as was the statue of Theodore Roosevelt outside the Natural Museum of History. Theodore Roosevelt, of course, wrote a letter in 1913 fawning praise to eugenicist Charles Davenport, who worked with uh, these guys. You may have heard of them. They were called the Nazis. Yeah. Not really shedding a tear, in all honesty. But Dinesh D'Souza was angry at this because they aren't taking out the statues of people like longest-serving senator in United States history, Robert Byrd, who was also a Klansman for a very, 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 very brief time in the 1960s. Then left, also in the 1960s. Yeah, and then became the longest-serving senator in United States history. Kind of think he um, accomplished a little bit more than a lot of these people. But you know what? Fair is fair. So I assumed D'Souza would support taking down the Robert Byrd statue. I don't actually have a comment of him contradicting himself, but if that ever happens, I'll keep this in mind. For that matter, he also tweeted that they're not taking down a statue of Lyndon Johnson, who, as we all know, killed tons of Asians during his war in Vietnam. I mean, uh, said, said the N-word once. 
Yeah, that's the part D'Souza's actually outraged about, because D'Souza's really stupid. Like, like, really stupid. Anyway, the arguments are the same old ones that we have heard time and time again. Isn't this erasing history? Again, no, it is not. People do not learn about history through statues. They learn about history through books, through documentaries, through biographies on History.com. Anything but statues that typically include their name and the year of their birth and death, and not much else. Okay? Okay. For that matter, there's a claim of ideological bias. Why aren't these protesters taking down statues of the left? For instance, why aren't they taking down statues of uh, progressives? Yeah. Um, you know who's a good sign to tell who's a progressive? Uh, if we had, say, a party called the Progressive Party. Well, luckily, we did in this country for a very brief time. It was founded in 1912. And their first nomination was a fellow named Theodore Roosevelt, the man who just had his statue removed from the Museum of National History, or Natural History, sorry. Um, in fact, he created the Progressive Party specifically because the Republican Party refused to give him the nomination and instead gave it to incumbent President William Howard Taft. Uh, they say the reason, they say that the vote splitting caused from this actually helped Woodrow Wilson become president in 1912. Or 1913, technically, he was elected in 1912. Uh, so, so they are actually going after statues of progressives, which we were promised was never going to happen. They are also going after statues of Woodrow Wilson at the moment. You might remember uh, the noted racist, who was also a progressive. In fact, the Democratic Party specifically nominated Wilson in 1912 because his record as governor of the state of New Jersey showed him to be a progressive in hopes that it would actually alienate swing voters, or not alienate, it would get swing votes from people who were planning on voting for President Roosevelt, or former President Roosevelt at that point. Uh, so they are going after, that's at least two progressives they are going after. Uh, D'Souza, of course, just seemed to have been off that day. <laughs> Just miss those stories, you know? That happens to everyone. While this is going on, NASCAR has also banned Confederate flags. Which, I just want to say, NASCAR, isn't that like a good portion of your audience? <laughs> I know, I know. That's unfair, that's unfair. I don't watch NASCAR, I also don't watch any sport, so this does not really affect me. I'll say that right now. With that said, I was watching CNN, and I saw the, um, talking about this story, and I saw they interviewed a few of the local NASCAR fans, and one of the people selling Confederate flags made the oh-so-classic argument about heritage. First off, that's a really stupid argument, okay? There are tons of things that are part of heritage that we shouldn't really be idealizing. If, say, a Russian held a Soviet flag, it wouldn't be appropriate to say, dude, this is just my heritage. I don't really support Joseph Stalin. For that matter, I should note that it's actually a relatively small part of heritage. It's currently a Twitter account that just documents things that have lasted longer than the Confederacy. My favorites include a battery powering a bell at Oxford, seriously, a McDonald's meal that lasted 10 years, and My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Will NASCAR start selling Twilight Sparkle flags? For some reason.
Anyway, over the weekend, Donald Trump held a rally because, of course he did, in which he gave this, he reopened an old debate, okay? And let me tell you, America must be great again, because this is a debate that was settled by the Supreme Court about 30 years ago. And you know, we ought to do something, Mr. Senators. We have two great senators. We ought to come up with legislation that if you burn the American flag, you go to jail for one year. One year. Yes, I did feel it was necessary to play the cheering. Also, why a year specifically? Like, if somebody introduced a bill that banned, that made it so if you burned a flag, you went to jail for a year and a day, would Trump be tweeting that that violates the Eighth Amendment? What formula did you use to get to one year? Oh, you just sounded cool. It just sounded cool. <laughs> of course, this isn't the first time Trump has been talking about this. He's actually been talking about it at least since he was president-elect. And he will probably continue talking about it for the remainder of this term every now and again, just to throw some red meat at that face. Although, again, I figure since this debate rarely ever comes up, aside from our loudmouth president, it is worth addressing at least every now and again. Uh, to remind everyone that, yes, burning the American flag is freedom of speech, just as criticizing your country is freedom of speech. Okay? We are all on that train now. The Supreme Court's been on that train for years, including the late Justice Antonin Scalia, who Donald Trump called a great man and promised to replace with a similar figure in the 2016 election. That, by the way, is the reason why they could not confirm Merrick Garland and instead eventually confirmed Neil Gorsuch. It is also worth noting that our founding fathers did not necessarily want us to be true red-blooded patriots, like a lot of people think. Benjamin Franklin said that we should have a revolution every 200 years. Not making that up. Thomas Jefferson said that sometimes the tree of liberty needed to be replenished with the blood of patriots. Wow, that's, that's an extreme view right there. They didn't want us to be red-hearted dedicated to our nation's government. They wanted us to be dedicated to liberty. That's a very, very important distinction. So, for instance, the liberty to burn a flag on your own private property if you so want to. Now, the main argument for banning flag burning is that the flag is a symbol of freedom. For instance, the freedom to burn your own private property or to protest. And as such, burning it is actually an insult to freedom. Ignoring the fact that you are allowed under the First Amendment to be an authoritarian if you so want. You are allowed to speak authoritarian values if you so want. Hence why we haven't locked up, well, basically every politician. <laughs> Symbols mean different things to different people. Ignoring the fact that there are occasions where people do burn the flag because they feel it represents freedom and the current United States is not living up to it, it might not represent freedom to the person burning it. That's why they're burning it. Is that impossible that symbols mean different things to different people? But okay, okay. I would just like to end by showing this clip a little later, and by a little later I mean less than 20 seconds later. 
in the same rally in Oklahoma over the weekend from Donald Trump. Do it. You know, they talk about freedom of speech, and I'm a big believer in freedom of speech. Donald Trump is the same man who tried to sue The Onion over a satire piece and tried to sue comedian Bill Maher over making a joke about his hair. He believes in freedom of speech, everybody. Anyway, Vice President Pence was being interviewed on a local television station recently, and he was asked his thoughts on the Black Lives Matter movement, and even to say the phrase, Black Lives Matter, just, just, just watch. We are in the midst of a movement in this country, uh, and I think it's fair to say in the estimation of those who are marching in the streets across America right now, a movement that's finally getting some traction. And as you know, sir, that, that movement is fueled by the words, Black Lives Matter. And yet, despite that, and the volume with which we're hearing it and the monumental nature of these changes, there are only really a handful of elected Republican leaders in Washington who have uttered those words, Black Lives Matter. And I wonder, sir, if those are words that you will utter right here, right here today, Black Lives Matter. Can you say those words? Well, Brian, let me, let me just say that what happened to George Floyd was a tragedy. And in this nation, especially on, on Juneteenth, we celebrate the fact that from the founding of this nation, we cherish the ideal uh, that all, all of us are created equal and endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Uh, and so all lives matter in a very real sense. Just say the phrase, three words, three words. That's all you have to do. Three words. Just three. Okay? One, two, three. Just say that. Just say that. Oh my god, this is so obnoxious. And you know, this is the same thing Matt Matisse did uh, when he wasn't being investigated by the Florida Bar Association, of course. When he was asked to say Black Lives Matter on the House floor, he said, well, all lives matter. As if somebody's denying that. Now, I will be fair. I will be fair to both Pence and Gatiz. And yes, that is how it's pronounced. It's a Z, not an S. And I'm never, ever, ever going to make, going to let him forget that that's a really stupid way to spell it. Okay? <laughs> With that said, <laughs> credit to these two men. There are some segments of this population tonight at All Lives Matter. Most notably, murderers. That's it, really. A side note, a side note to uh, Mr. Pence, I was not aware, don't you believe that, like, one entire political party doesn't believe that all lives matter? Like, I normally don't encourage you to be an even bigger extremist than you currently are in regards to your views on abortion, but I think that you probably could have phrased that slightly differently. Just, just saying. So do all lives matter to someone like Mike Pence? I mean, given his pro-death penalty status, I'd, I'd assume that he'd have to admit there are, therefore, some lives that do not matter. Like, so you're killing a person who matters. I'm not getting into a debate about the death penalty, but supporters of capital punishment believe that, by definition, 
some lives don't matter and therefore it's okay to kill people. On occasion, of course. But that's a different controversy for a different day. Uh, and for that matter, on the topic of the whole all lives matter versus black lives matter thing, really, can we just stop that whole debate? They're both saying the exact same thing. In truth, if somebody who agrees with the entirety of the Black Lives Matter movement says all lives matter instead of Black Lives Matter because, I don't know, that makes them feel more comfortable or it makes them feel like a better person, then maybe that's a very, 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 very minor act of racism. And we're talking a super small act of racism. A literal microaggression, if you will. But for that matter, the person in question is still willing to fight much, much bigger examples of racism. So, is Mike Pence willing to do that? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, but I just wanted to get that little rant off my chest because it's been bothering me for a while. Oh, and for the record, a little bit of a cherry on top of a Sunday. When Pence was governor of Indiana... He defunded various needle exchange programs, which caused a massive spike in HIV rates. But don't you worry, guys. Pence thinks that all lives do in fact matter, as long as you aren't one of those dirty drug users. Anyway, the Lincoln Project has a new ad out. And I know I've been covering the Lincoln Project more than basically any other commentator, but it's an interesting story to me, okay? Uh, so just listen to their new ad, and there's a really subtle innuendo, guys. Like, really subtle. See if you can spot it. Hey, Donald, your campaign manager told you a million fans wanted to come to your first big rally. Turnout in Tulsa? A dud. You've probably heard this before, but it was smaller than we expected. It sure wasn't as big as you promised. Honestly, we're not surprised. We've seen that you're shaky, can't keep your polls up, and it's getting worse. You talk a big game. The event in Oklahoma is unbelievable. The crowds are unbelievable. They haven't seen anything like it. And can't deliver. Sad, weak, low energy. Just like your presidency. Just like you. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. They're making a penis joke! As in, a joke about a penis. Don't know if you caught that. It was really subtle. I'm sorry, that's the only reason I wanted to play this ad, okay? Was because... I just want to inform the Lincoln Project, that innuendo is nowhere near as clever as you think it was. You know, somewhere there was like some temp at the Lincoln Project, browsing the internet going, Oh my god, I think I figured out what appeals to all these kids. What? Dick jokes! Oh by god, you're on to something! And this ad was made as a result. I know, I know. That's just speculation, but you could see it for a reason. As for the point of the ad that Donald Trump's recent rally was very disappointing in terms of turnout, 
there's a massive issue with that. Most notably that a lot of people, including, you know, the people who lived in the place the rally was being held, didn't want a large turnout because of something called COVID-19, a.k.a. the thing that many places have been on lockdown for for the past three months. Just forget about that Lincoln Project. You forgot about that, didn't you? And in an attempt to embarrass the administration, you basically complained that he wasn't doing a good enough job spreading the virus in the first place. Great, great. God bless the Lincoln Project. This ad is honestly really dumb. Like, really dumb. Ignoring the innuendo, the which, by the way, was not funny in the slightest. Um, the fact is, the main issue with Trump's Tulsa rally was that it was being held in the first place. Again, we don't want a second wave of COVID-19 for very, very obvious reasons. Okay? Now, with that said, many experts have said that we can already start to reopen our economy, that we should have actually started to reopen a long time ago. And that is fair. That is a fair look at things. With that said, that's not what the Lincoln Project is saying. They're just complaining that Trump supporters didn't violate lockdown protocols to go to a Trump rally. Personally, I kind of prefer it if they, you know, didn't violate lockdown protocols so they could watch a rally that they can see on YouTube really easily. That's the other thing. This isn't like the 70s anymore. Where your president can go speak to this isn't heck, this isn't even like the sixties. Uh, in the nineteen sixty-eight campaign, Richard Nixon did several question and answer segments on public access television. He could say anything in any city because who's gonna fact check him? Who's following him around just to document what Richard Nixon is saying and where he contradicts himself? Um with that said, that's not like it anymore. These days, if the president holds a rally in even China. I can see it in the United States because of the internet. Just making that point. That's why politicians hate the internet. Sorry to keep saying it, but it's true. Politicians do not like the internet because it gives you so much information. And the Lincoln Project apparently would rather you get you spread an illness than, I guess, stay home and watch a Trump rally if you're a Trump supporter. Actually, that is a kind of evil way to stack the votes in no... <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't think the Lincoln Project wants Trump supporters dead. I think they just didn't think out one ad all the way. Okay? That's it. That's it. Anyway, a newspaper. Those still exist. Huh. A newspaper in Tennessee called the Tennessean. That's really what it's called. That's really what it's called. Okay. Okay. I ran a full-page ad recently from an anti-Muslim extremist group. And they actually had to apologize for it because of how bad it was. Now, I had not read the ad before about two minutes ago. And it is something, man. So I'm going to take you through it and just ask how this got approved in the first place. The ad starts, Dear citizens of Nashville, we are under conviction 
to not only tell you, but to provide evidence that on July 18, 2020, so four days ago now, Islam is going to detonate a nuclear device in Nashville, Tennessee. This was approved. I just want to open with that. This is approved by somebody. Islam is going to detonate a nuclear device in Nashville, Tennessee. You know Islam is not an entity, right? It's a religion followed by over one billion people, many of which have divided factions and civil wars within each other all the time. The Sunnis and the Shia just say, listen, listen, we may not like each other, we may have had a long history of conflict, but let's build a nuclear bomb to detonate on Nashville, Tennessee. You know, at least when John Birch was going around warning us about communists, we can confirm that there were communists, and they didn't say communists, all communists, including ones that hate each other, building a nuclear bomb. Well, okay, they, the Soviets did build nuclear That's a different story. By the way, I should note, I've only read the first sentence, and I've been ma laughing at it for about a minute and a half. Our problem with trying to warn you of this event is that it requires information on a handful of subjects that you may or may not have inclination to consider. Therefore, our intent in this letter is to identify the warning we feel obligation to provide, and then give you a brief explanation of how this warning can be demonstrated to be valid. Hopefully, the overview of these issues will prompt me to go to www.july18.news the defense of these issues is presented fully. Well, you know what I decided to do? I decided to go to July18th.news, or as it's currently known, MidnightCry.news. And despite the fact that July 18th happened half a week ago, and there was not a nuclear attack on Nashville, Tennessee, created by Islam, that monolithic entity, um, the website is still up and does not have on its front page one giant apology followed by admitting that they were idiots, which is what it should have. Their website, by the way, has such sections as July 18th and why July 18th. Uh, apparently they needed two separate sections to answer the same question. Uh, amazing. Uh, amazing. Their reasoning, by the way, is based on biblical numerology, because of course it is. Um, and by the way, their website actually contains a quote from the Bible, which, mind you, they think is the infallible word of God. That, of course, being, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only, his father, of course, being God. Okay? Now, they have this quote and then go on to explain why it's wrong, despite the fact just above, they call the Bible infallible. Uh, obviously, obviously makes sense. Uh, because what else do you expect? I just admit that it's not so common that you see people actively show you the quotes in the book that they claim to base their entire belief system off of that prove them wrong and then go, well, that doesn't count. Anyway, so I think the best way to end this kind of story 
is just to remind you all that this was approved. This ad was approved. These people were approved to take out an ad in one of the few remaining newspapers in this country. I didn't know they still existed, and apparently these are the people left funding them. Support online media, people. They're usually not funded by insanity. At least, not this kind. Anyway, yesterday, CNN had their weekly State of the Union show, hosted by Jake Tapper. And, guess who made an appearance? Seriously, seriously, guess. I hadn't seen this guy in a while. I, I almost totally forgot about him. Peter Burrito, yeah! Oh, Trump's top trade advisor and one of the looniest protectionists in the U.S. And, oh boy, oh boy, did he say something interesting. Listen to this interview he had with Jake Tapper. It, it is amazing. I just want to ask about something you said. Did you say China created this virus? Did I hear you wrong? You did not hear me wrong. That, that virus was a product of the Chinese Communist Party. And uh, until we get some information about what happened in those labs or what happened in that wet market, we know that that virus was spawned in China. That is what I mean. Sp until we get some information? Haven't we been trying to get information for the past six months? Going on seven months now? I mean, and we know, by the way, it wasn't created by the Chinese Communist Party, which is what Peter Burrito is clearly, clearly implying. And if you want to tell me, if you want to tell me that that's not what he meant, he just had a slip when he said created. Well, first off, no, Jake Tapper asked him for clarification, and he says that is exactly what I mean. He only changes that later in the interview when he says he preferred to use the word spawn by the Chinese Communist Party instead of create. The reason being is one sounds notably less crazy. But don't you worry. Don't you worry. Burrito has evidence. Okay? And by the way, if you want to still argue he didn't literally mean Xi Jinping created it himself, you got to explain the second piece of evidence. That being this. Bond in China. But you think it was purposely, purposefully, in fact, purposefully created? Yeah, that's an open question, but I'll tell you this. In 2006, in a book I wrote called The Coming you China Wars, evidence of on, that? Page, on page 150, I predicted that China would create... A, a viral pandemic that could possibly kill millions. Why did I do that at the time? Because you're a loony conspiracy theorist who has irrationally hated a country with over one billion people for years and years and years? Because you are an ideological demagogue, if you will, an ideologue for sure, um who completely despises the entire concept of free trade to the point where you're willing to make the most paranoid guesses? I don't know. Take your pick. Um, and by the way, Peter Burrito now says he doesn't think China created it, but that the Communist Party is, is guilty until proven innocent, after all, uh, because they're very bad. Hence why the president um, 
loves Xi Jinping and directly said that he was the greatest leader of China of all time. And why Xi Jinping returned the favor and said he wanted Donald Trump to win re-election. Yeah, uh, makes sense, makes sense. It doesn't. Okay, okay. So, Peter Burrito, to be absolutely clear, is currently saying that while they didn't create the COVID-19 outbreak, they didn't not create it. Which just means they created it. Yeah. Yeah. Protectionism. Not even once. Anyway, last thing for tonight. With the DNC being announced, it's basically going to take place entirely online because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And for that matter, the possibility of the RNC being moved to... I don't know. I think at this point they're just going to hold it on Neptune. Uh, Kat Kerr heard about this, and she will not stand for it. You may remember that recently she reclaimed the moon just earlier this month from witches trying to cast spells on President Trump. Well, do not worry, people. She is not going to let them take over the RNC. Kat, what is your plan? We're going to train you during the Republican National Convention how to command strategically the army assigned to you, when to send them, and what to declare for them to do during this convention. There'll be no violence involved. We don't want any violence, any interference, not in any area of society or, or in the natural whatsoever that will hold up, delay, or interfere with, or cause any kind of violence during the Republican National Convention, I have already signed a hundred million angels to start... Wait, 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 what? A hundred million angels to protect the Republican National Convention? Is it a, tom is a nuclear device that was created by Islam going to detonate there? Oh my god. You thought it was Nashville, Tennessee four days ago. Actually... The Republican National Convention. Dun, dun, dun! Also, I love how nonchalantly she said that. You know, I assigned 100 million angels. I, I just do that sometimes, you know? You ever just assign 100 million angels to protect the Republican National Convention from witchcraft? <laughs> no! No, I've never done that! I'm going to say that right now, Kat. I've never done that. I have, however, said, as I'm about to say, that that's all for tonight. If you enjoy this episode, you'll enjoy my new book, The Establishment is Dead, Long Live the Establishment. Follow me on Twitter at Josine one Follow me on Gab at Peaceful underscore Globals on Twitter. Ephron. Follow me on Parlor at Josine. Maybe I'll even post on Parlor one day. Uh... If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, email me at peacefulglobalistreview at gmail.com. That's peacefulglobalistreview at gmail.com. Stay with the show at gmail.com. I am Ephraim, and good night.